Picking up where we left off. A Holland Center podcast. Hosted by Michael Carroll. Welcome to Picking Up Where We Left Off. I'm Michael Carroll, Executive Director for the Holling Center for International Dialogue. In recent years, there has been an increased focus on growing great power competition globally, particularly the rise of China and the shift of foreign policy concerns toward the East. Accordingly, attention has turned to growing competition between the United States and China, especially in Southeast Asia and the South China Sea. But these regions are not the only ones affected by the increased involvement from the Chinese. In July 2022, the Holling Center hosted a dialogue conference looking at the effects of increased Chinese involvement in the Middle East and North Africa region. The dynamics in the region differ significantly from others, especially in that the United States has traditionally acted as the guarantor of security and economic development. The dialogue sought to assess how increased Chinese involvement would impact the region. How would this impact the countries that are involved? And does this foretell a changing of foreign power dynamics throughout the entire area? So, to pick up where we left off on China's growing footprint in the MENA region, we're pleased to bring back two participants from that dialogue. Adil Abdel Ghaffar is the director of the Foreign Policy and Security Program at the Middle East Council on Global Affairs. Previously, he was a fellow in the Foreign Policy Program at the Brookings Doha Center where he also served as Acting Director of Research. He specializes in political economy, and his research interests include state-society relations and socioeconomic development in the MENA region. Adil, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Jing Gu is a Senior Research Fellow and Director of the Center for Rising Powers and Global Development at IDS at the University of Sussex. She also leads the IDS China Center. She is a senior consultant and senior academic advisor to both China International Development Research Network and the Center for International Knowledge on Development and the Development Research Center of the State Council in China. She has extensive experience in research and advisory work on governance, business, infrastructure investment, energy, and sustainable development. Jing, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Mike. Jing, I'd like to start with you today. Can you explain why China is interested in investing in the MENA region? Well, China has a wide range of interests in the MENA region. The most important of this is its interest in maintaining stable great power relations to enhance its political influence. As all of you know, China has become an increasingly significant player in the MENA region in the past decade. Chinese investment in MENA region mainly focus on energy, technology, transportation, and construction. The rapid expansion of China's economic interests in the Middle East and the rising dependence on Middle East energy have become the most striking feature of China's relations with Middle East after the Cold War. To some extent, to promote the going-out policy and ensuring energy security, the Chinese government has established a platform for Chinese companies through a large number of intergovernmental cooperation agreements. So far, China has concluded partnership agreements with 19 Middle Eastern countries. However, China has not deep, deeply participated in the 
political affairs in the Middle East. China is trying to maintain general detachment in the regional affairs and steadily advance political and economic co- cooperation with Middle East countries. Thank you. I'd like to pass this to Adil now. Adil, can you provide some perspective from the region on China's desire for further regional investment? Yeah, so I think uh, China is interested both economically to deepen its engagement with the region. Of course, as you know, more than uh, 47% of China's energy needs come from the region, from countries like Saudi Arabia, Iran, Oman, and uh, Algeria, as well as LNG from uh, Qatar. So I think one of the primary interests is definitely energy security, but also increasingly China wants to invest in the region beyond energy and into various infrastructure projects. Of course, for the Belt and Road Initiative, which many countries and regions have signed on, but then also in other projects and infrastructure investments as well. And if you look at the BRI, of course, it's a signature initiative by President Xi, which China has been working on for the past years, diligently on the maritime side, as well as on the land side. And of course, the BRI has multiple objectives. Economically, it seeks to connect China to the rest of the world, uh, Chinese products going to the rest of the world, but as raw materials going back to China to fuel growth, it also seeks to connect it to the world. So there's an element of connectivity there, and more broadly, it seeks to really make China's role more global in multiple ways. So it's uh, the arrival of China on the global stage is basically the objective of BRI, as we have seen this definitely across countries in the region. For those of you that may be unfamiliar with the term BRI, it refers to China's Belt and Road Initiative, which is an all-encompassing framework for China's economic investment strategies. It's coming to greater importance globally and is a corner point of China's economic strategy. We'll touch on the political aspects of this a little bit later, There are differences in approach, obviously, between how the West and how China does this. But also, there are differences between countries within the region, correct? How does China manage that? So China works both at a multilateral level and a bilateral level in the region. Uh, So if you look at multilaterally, it engages with countries in the region via the Arab League, the Gulf Cooperation Council, as well as the Sino-Arab Cooperation Forum. But it's really at a bilateral level where the the relationship uh, shines. Uh, And when you look at North Africa, there are two main partners uh, for China, Algeria and Egypt. Both have a comprehensive strategic partnership or a CSP. Looking first at Algeria, Algeria and China have a very long historical relationship starting from the post-colonial era where China actually supported Algerian independence and the Algerian fight against colonialism. Uh, from the 50s and uh, 60s. Uh, But over the years, the the relationship developed further and now is more focused on economic and security issues. Uh, Algeria is a big producer of uh, of oil, uh, which is exported to many countries, including China. Algeria is also uh, an importer of Chinese weapons and defense systems and one of the biggest in Africa, actually. So that's the first country when it comes to North Africa. The second most important relationship uh, is uh, is Egypt. Of course, Egypt is in a strategic location uh, in uh, the intersection of Africa, Asia, uh, and the Euro-Mediterranean region. Uh, And China has also invested heavily in, especially when it comes to the Suez Canal area and the Suez Canal Free Zone, which is part of uh, the uh, connectivity of China towards the Mediterranean as well as to 
uh, to Europe. And also China uh, has also sold much weapons and increasingly is selling weapons to Egypt uh, as Egypt seeks to diversify its uh, weapons sources. The third uh, most important relationship, uh, to a lesser extent, is Morocco. Uh, and uh, Chinese investments there focus on the ports, the Tangier port, uh, as uh, Algeria, sorry, Morocco also is an important gateway to Africa as well as to Europe. If you move to the Gulf, uh, the two most important countries, or the three, are Saudi Arabia, uh, Iran and uh, Oman, as well as also as Iraq, uh, when it comes to Saudi. Uh, and Iran, they are both co also comprehensive strategic partnerships, and you really see there uh, how the energy component is quite important. Uh, but also, since Saudi Arabia is opening up its economy, is liberalizing, and has the Saudi Vision 2030, uh, China has been seeking to play an increasingly bigger role as part of this transformation, and Chinese companies are involved uh, on a much bigger scale in, uh, in Saudi Arabia. So... Listening to that diverse set of bilateral arrangements and investments by China, it begs a larger question, because many of these projects are political in nature on the MENA side. So can China avoid political entanglements in the region? Are, there, are these relationships transactional, strategic, or both? I think it's more transactional. Contrary to Conventional thinking, China has a grand strategy towards Middle East countries. In fact, China's current Middle East policy is not mainly based on economic interests. The political, economic, and security imp importance of Middle East to China has not increased significantly in the last 10 years. But China's importance to the Middle East has continued to grow as we witnessed in the last decade. So it's not that the Middle East is becoming more and more important to the Chinese economy, but that China is becoming more and more important to the MENA region. So compare, compared with other regions, the importance of Middle East to China has not increased significantly in the last decade. And so the result of this is that the urgency of, for China to intervene in Middle East political affairs is not strong. The economic interest has not changed the overall structure of China's Middle East policy. Jing, you brought up earlier how China wants to avoid stepping into political problems in the region, but rather only remain involved in economic matters. Is this possible to maintain in the long term, or are we headed to a reality with China being less politically neutral? Well, China's policy towards the Middle East has always been very cautious. This is a decision very much based on China's national interests, and also in line with China's foreign policy principles. So, but however, as, China, as the Chinese economic presence in the region is growing, it might be increasingly difficult for Beijing to separate its geoeconomic and the political interests and maintain its position as a neutral economic actor. So China is interested in developing its relationship with the region, but not on the security front. It has a wide range of interests in the MENA region, 
to safeguard all these interests, China has mainly relied on four methods. Diplomacy, the expansion of its political partnership with key MENA countries, the deployment of peacekeepers and the depending economic cooperation. But mainly, China's relationship with the Middle East revolves around the energy demand, the regional security, and the promotion of the Belt and the Road Initiative. It would be increasingly difficult for China to maintain its position of a neutral economic actor. During the dialogue, there was a lot of talk about the differences between American or Western actors in the region and Chinese actors in the region. It was clear that China's intent was to go along a strategic economic path. On the other hand, it was more typical for American actors to get involved in regional politics and, and more importantly, attach conditions to American involvement. Can you elaborate a little bit further on these differences in approach? While China still has a limited appetite for challenging the U.S.-led security architecture in the Middle East, all playing a significant role in regional politics. So China will not replace the U.S. in the Middle East, nor will it take sides politically. To some extent, China just wants to do business in Middle East, as you rightly pointed out. So in the future, no matter what China's Middle East policies, uh, it will definitely not follow in the step, footsteps of the U.S. China will not use uh, sanctions as the main means, uh, but China will insist on a Middle East policy with Chinese characteristics. It will be very much based on non-intervention economic cooperation and diplomatic coordination. It's very much the principle of China's foreign policy. And Otto, would you like to follow up on that? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think China does not want to play a, a bigger security role and actually is, is termed in what we term in the literature as a security free rider because when you look at the Gulf, it's actually the US through its various military basis and presence here in the region that really underwrites Gulf security and China is actually able to benefit from that security umbrella. So there's no reason right now and actually the heyday of the biggest intervention that China has had over the past year in the region is the evacuations of its citizens who were trapped in Libya during the early stages of the Libyan civil war. So where China actually plays a bigger role in terms of security is through its weapons uh, uh, selling to various countries in the region, which has also, uh, in a sense, upset uh, also the policymakers in, uh, in, in the U.S. Uh, because they, are, they perceive that they are the main partners of, uh, of the region. And it's not a surprise, actually, when President Biden was, in, uh, was visiting uh, Saudi Arabia, that he promised, uh, that he said that we're not leaving the region and nobody's going to uh, replace us, and also stressed that the U.S. can also sell uh, uh, 6G technology to keep the Gulf countries uh, using sort of U.S. technology. And this is definitely directed at China, where Chinese 5G is perceived as a potential security threat uh, to, uh, to U.S. interests uh, here in the region. To conclude today, I'd like to get some final insights 
on how MENA countries view China's growing role. Jing, let's start with you. China is in a steep learning curve in Middle East. China's capacity to invest, build infrastructure, and provide public services in developing countries certainly has drawn significant attention from Middle Eastern states and heightened their expectations. This has pushed them to seek alternative partners, including China, as part of a heightened strategy. However, Middle East states they are also aware of China's limitations as a security provider, and therefore carefully managing their relationship with the U.S. Actually, viewed from uh, the region, China's non-interventionist policy is is quite attractive uh, because of when you look at uh, the U.S. Uh, and European partners. Uh, they tend to raise issues of uh, of human rights and uh, democracy and, and so on, even at that superficial level, and then it uh, goes back to doing business. Uh, but when it comes to China, China's non-intervention, it's, it's actually critical uh, for the region. And also this is quite reciprocated because when China uh, is criticized for the Uyghur Muslim uh, issues and, and oppression uh, and so on. Uh, actually, Arab countries and Muslim countries provide a bit of cover for China uh, and say that this is actually an internal affair for, for China. So the non-intervention is actually reciprocated uh, from, from both sides uh, also as part of the, the transactional uh, approach. Jane, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mike and everyone. Uh, and Adel, thank you so much for joining today. Thank you so much for having me and great to be with you. The Holling Center for International Dialogue is a nonprofit, non-governmental organization dedicated to fostering dialogue between the United States and countries with predominantly Muslim populations around the world. In pursuit of this mission, the Holling Center convenes dialogue conferences that generate new thinking on important international issues and deepen channels of communication across opinion leaders and experts. To learn more, go to hollingcenter.org.